0: Right.
1: Hello, hello, hello everybody. This is the second episode of the Reinvented Red Sox Unfiltered podcast. Uh, I'm very excited to be joining you. Uh, I am your host Patrick Green and joining me is Dave Latham who is also writes for Red Sox Dave, say hi to everybody. Hello to everybody.
0: Huh,
1: you ready to get started man? We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. So, basically, we have a jam-packed show for everybody. Uh, we're going to be talking about the no-hitter that we saw last night, which was a, to a lot of Red Sox fans' dismay, but was also a very impressive pitching performance. We'll be talking about Mookie Betts and his historically amazing early run, and how sustainable is that? Further, we're going to be talking about other topics that will pique your interest and will definitely be loads of fun, like what will be sustainable and unsustainable for this historic start for the Boston Red Sox. So Dave, are you ready to get down, and you ready to start this thing?
0: Oh, absolutely. Let's rock and roll.
1: Okay, so our first topic is has to be about what happened last night. Uh, Sean Manea, am, am I saying that right? Do you, do you know Manea? Does that sound? I think that's right. Yeah. Sean yeah. Manea was absolutely dealing last night. He threw a no hitter against the Red Sox, who arguably were the hottest hitting team. Uh, he had 10 strikeouts, one walk, obviously, zero hits allowed. He was electric. Uh, the I think what I saw on Baseball Savant they have a stat that shows uh, when you put a ball in play what percentage of the time it would go for a hit. The Red Sox did not get a ball over sixty percent uh, likely to be a hit. So he was not only he was not the byproduct of luck or anything. The guy was dealing, and when the Red Sox did put it in play, it was weak. Dave, did you, did you were you able to watch that game? Did you catch it? Uh, what did you think about the performance?
0: I watched about the first five innings or so of it. I saw that things just weren't going our way, and I kind of gave up because it's a West Coast game, and I'm not, you know, I've got better things to do than watch the Sox get killed. But, <laughs> not gonna lie, I didn't think it was gonna be a no hitter throughout. When I woke up the next morning and saw, you know, it was a, an official no hitter, I was like, shit, you know.
1: <laughs> so but, you you were asleep at the time, and you woke up, and you're like, oh wow, that actually happened. Someone stopped this Red Sox lineup. Oh,
0: yeah, I'm boring. I go to bed early on Saturdays.
1: So. Oh, man, dude, this West Coast trip is really messing up my sleep schedule because I have to write all these recaps, and oh, my gosh, like I, I, I'm, I'm excited for this to be over, but, I mean, there, there's been some really good Red Sox baseball at the same time.
0: There has, and that's what's so crazy about baseball is throughout, uh, you know, before yesterday, we were clearly the best <laughs> offense in baseball, so naturally the first no-hitter of the year gets thrown against us. It's just amazing how with baseball – so much can change on a game-by-game basis.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, there was one close play I wanted to mention about the game. Um, I don't know if you saw it or saw the replay or anything, but I think it was. I the, saw the Benny. The Benny, it yeah. Uh, Benny or Sandy? I saw both of them. Yeah. Well, the Sandy one went down for an error. Marcus Simeon uh, d- could not come up with it. But it was it was a close play. But I I, I get the official scoring. I think it was a good uh, call on the Oakland Athletics uh, side. Um, but I. Was going to mention the Andrew Benintendi attendee player at first, where he originally was ruled safe. He uh, looked like he eluded the tag at first on a slow dribble to uh, Matt Olson, but he, after the umpires convened, they decided he was out of the baseline. And was called out on batter's interference. Uh, since you saw it, do you have any uh, opinions or comments on it? Do you, Do you think it was a hit, or what was your thoughts?
0: Yeah, so watching it live, I actually when they called him safe, I thought we got away with one initially because I'm like, boy, it looked like Benny was a little out of the baseline yeah. <laughs> there. So, I I was actually initially on the on um, side with that one, but uh, you know. I feel like it was so close they shouldn't have overturned it, but at the end of the day, I'm not that mad about it just because that was just such a weak little dink of a hit, and I'd kind of feel bad if we broke up a no-hitter on a weak ground at a first, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think ultimately they... It it
0: wasn't it wasn't the difference between winning or losing that like that game wasn't ours no matter what happens with them right there no
1: no Manea was unhittable he was filthy i I, he he deserved that i mean the kid's 26 throwing the first no hitter of the 2018 season first of his career obviously but that that was just an incredible performance on him i i know a lot of red Sox fans were actually mad at the team uh despite you know starting 17 and 3 for not getting a hit but i mean like you gotta like tip your hat to this guy like this was the guy who suppressed the best lineup in baseball arguably
0: yeah i mean you you just gotta tip your cap sometimes the other guys they're paid too you know they they're also the best baseball players in the world and sometimes they just have your number and you know just gotta tip tip your cap he was great yesterday and he was going up against chris sale so there's the added pressure of having to deal with that and he's Still, threw a no-hitter. Yeah, he. So nothing but respect on this. End. Yeah, he
1: outdueled Chris Sale, which is in it in and of itself very impressive. Not to mention he no-hit uh, the Boston Red Sox team. Uh, yeah, Manea was awesome, but we also had another interesting uh, start happen on Friday for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Drew Pomeranz made his 2018 debut after a left forearm injury sustained in spring training put him on the 10-day DL to begin the year. Uh, did you catch that start? What, what were your thoughts on? pomerance's uh debut
0: so yeah Palm's debut was it was really hot and cold but i think it, there's a lot good you can take away from it because that first inning was just plain ugly something close to 50 pitches three runs allowed but after that he really settled down uh he went through four innings i want to say didn't allow a, a run after that and i saw him working that knuckle curve he looked like uh the palm from 2017 after that first inning
1: yeah, no, that first inning was really rough. Like, I, I, I honestly didn't think he was going to make it out of it. Uh, Hector Velasquez started warming up. I was like, uh oh, Palm, but he, yeah, Cora showed faith in him. Um, they had like, I think they had they convened on the mound uh, in that first inning when he was at like fifty pitches, and they he settled down. He ended up going three and two thirds innings. Uh, While the, you know, he did go 88 pitches, he didn't pitch a lot of innings, and he did allow three earned runs, but uh, I was very impressed with his underlying statistics, his peripherals, and as you said, the knuckle curve was working very well. He ended up getting seven strikeouts to two walks, so you got to love those peripherals uh, going forward and. Uh, how he performed this in this game, uh, his velocity was down a little bit. I think it was like the slowest start uh, Palm made in a Red Sox uniform in terms of velocity, but uh, he was still striking people out. I think that is more of a byproduct of getting used to the season, and he again he did just come back from a rehab and a forearm injury, so uh, a loss of velocity is to be expected. I I guess, but yeah, I think Palm did did pretty well for his first start uh and I'm I was really happy to see his resilience pushing forward and getting through the 3 innings that he did Okay, Yeah. Th- now we're going to segue again here, and we're going to talk about Mitchie Moreland, known in some Twitter circles as Mitchie Two Bags. Uh, since April 8th, this, is, this guy has the highest batting average in baseball and the fourth best WRC Plus among players with at least 30 appearances. Um, well, actually, this was a stat from yesterday I found out, uh, but I, I think it's still relevant for today, hopefully. Uh, Moreland's been hey, great. Yeah, he's been wonderful. What are, what are your thoughts on him?
0: Yeah, so Moreland has been great as a, you know, depth bet, and earlier we were talking about um, how, like, the idea of giving him more playing time, and I love the idea of that, but just speaking out of practicality, I don't know how you would actually do that. You mentioned, you know, fourth highest WRC in baseball, and he's a great hitter. He's not keeping that up for the whole year. So the Red Sox roster, as it's currently built, is basically one giant log jam in the outfield and at first base. Basically, the only place where there isn't a lot of depth is the middle infield. But if you're giving Moreland more playing time, that means either Hanley's on the bench or he's DHing. And if Hanley's DHing, that means that one of J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, J.B.J., or Ben Tendi isn't playing. And really, I don't know how you're supposed to rotate all those guys. It's a really good problem to have because each guy has the potential to you know, turn the game on a single at-bat, and just about all of them, except for Hanley and JD, are really, really good defensive players, too. So really, it's you have too many good players and not enough positions. I really don't know how you sort it all out. If you just keep a rotation going where everyone plays a good amount of the time, but nobody plays every day, or if one of those guys kind of just got shafted and Left to rot on the bench.
1: Yeah, I, I think there are, pro- are definitely uh, worse problems to have here. That uh, the Red Sox having too many good guys. I think we talked about how we could find Blake Swihart some playing time. Additionally, uh, last week, but Mitch Moreland. I mean, I I think he. I think this is more real than people think. Do I think he's going to sustain the 172 WRC plus that he's put up so far? Absolutely no way. But. Uh, his, he's like top 15 in exit velocity, average exit velocity, which is a really good underlying stat. He's hitting the cover off the baseball. He's hit two home runs in his last three games, and uh, he's hitting them hard. Um, but yeah, like it's like, where do we find time for him? That If we put him at first, that means either Hanley Ramirez shifts to DH, or Hanley Ramirez is riding the, be- the bench. And then where does JD Martinez go? And then if you put JD Martinez in the outfield, or well, does that displace Jackie Bradley Jr. or Andrew Benatendi? There's a lot of moving parts, and not, none of them are ideal, but considering that uh, Moreland has found, him way, have found his way into 15 of 20 games this year, I think Cora's rotating it actually pretty decently. Uh, I think he's doing a good job in that regard, getting him the at-bats, because he is he is uh, you know hitting very well. Um, so you would not be in favor of doing a Moreland-Hanley-Ramirez more strict platoon type, because uh, Moreland's a left-hander and Han-Ram's a right-hander, so would that uh be of any interest to you or do you think that you got to keep hand in that lineup
0: i think i i'm assuming morland's gonna come somewhat back to earth i think he can still be an above average hitter but i think hanley's just a better a, like considerably better bat in the lineup and i'd rather just keep him in and you did mention the lefty righty and i think that matters with like your run-of-the-mill average players but a guy like Hanley, when he's going good, he, he can crush him if it's he's facing a righty or a lefty, and I think he can really kind of overthink it there. If you you know, just Hanley's going to crush it no matter who's on the mound when he's going right. So I wouldn't overthink the whole left-handed, right-handed
1: thing. No, and I don't think Cora pays too much attention to those traditional platoon uh, like Farrell did. Um, so I don't think that yeah, that's Yeah, I don't think that's something they'll do.
0: Yeah, with Farrell, I uh, every time that he'd sit, been Tendy down to putting Chris Young when there was a lefty on the mound. I swear,
1: never put Chris Young in the game. I uh, know that, that yeah. was mean to Chris Young. He had a, he had one decent season with us in 2016. It, 2017 was rough, but uh, hopefully Chris yeah. Young is doing good in LA. He actually had a home run against the Red Sox, I think, in the second game of the series.
0: Yeah, yeah I think that's right I mean I saw him up there I'm like oh okay, good Chris young has a job good for him
1: yeah good for him that must have felt good maybe but yeah, um, yeah. I don't think many people care about Chris young at this stage of the uh, this stage of the season but I wish him nothing but the best um, yeah so I think we both agree that the Red Sox have a lot of good offensive bats and there's not like ample places to put them but I, I do think cores managing this well um, but there, as we've been talking about this surplus of outfielders and first basements and DHs, I think we do lose sight of a significant weak spot of the Boston Red Sox, and that is their catcher position. Dave, I don't know if you know this, but the Red Sox ranked dead last in catching F4 uh, fangrafts WAR at negative point six, uh, and their WRC plus, which is an all-encompassing offensive statistics, is 13, also last in baseball. Uh, in 58 plate appearances Vasquez has been worth negative 0.304 with a 41 wrc plus and a 208 average and he has yet to barrel a baseball what is a barrel a barrel is basically the ideal mixture of launch angle and exit velocity where it's like oh this goes for a hit a certain amount of the time and it's and it's a lot of the time um so Leon, meanwhile, has a negative 0.2 F4, a 115 average, has not hit anything but a single, and a negative 48 WRC plus in 29 plate appearances. Dave, do you understand how hard it is to get a negative 48 WRC plus?
0: You gotta try pretty hard. I think I could put that up, though. <laughs> I think you
1: could. <laughs> I think you really could. Um, so Red Sox on filters, Chris. actually wrote an article about the. Um, Blake Swihart conundrum, and he recommended Boston trying Swihart a catcher to ameliorate this uh, deficiency right now out of the backstop position. What what would you think about that?
0: So I believe last week when we were talking about the Swihart thing, this issue sort of came up about him being a catcher, and back then I said, you know, just defensively, it was such a shit show uh, in 2015, and that small show. part of 2016, like just defensively. He can hit, I don't deny that, but defensively i didn't see him as a catcher but the longer the season goes on and the longer that vasquez stays in this little slump and Leon's Leon, he's never going to be much of a hitter i'm just starting to think you know what screw it vasquez can or swyhart can provide more runs with the bat than he gives up with the glove so i'm slowly being brought over to the give it a shot argument with uh swyhart a catcher
1: yeah I i definitely think i can get aboard that camp. Uh, Vasquez's season last year was pretty good offensively. He was above average at the catcher position in terms of WRC+. plus, But he had like a 348 BABIP batting average and balls in play, which basically says that he was getting a Pretty frickin' lucky out there. Uh, I didn't think it was going to continue. His batting average was very high above his career norms. So I th- expected Vasquez to fall down to earth, but I didn't know he was going to fall this hard. Again, it's early, so there's definitely room for positive re- uh, regression. But dang, like there's nothing underlying that gives me any hope about Vasquez being, uh, re- returning close to the levels that he was last year on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, he's a good defender. Yeah, I
0: was... A- I was in the same camp with you going into the season. Last year, he was an above-average offensive catcher. I thought this year he'd be slightly below average, and the Fox clearly thought they had something there. They signed him to an extension before the season started, but my God, it's been ugly. (laughs) It it has
1: been ugly. But, like, I mean, I feel like it's kind of been masked a little bit just because everyone's hitting so well that it's, like, not as uh, glaring of an issue. I don't know if you feel that way, too. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, you know, we're... We have the best offense in baseball, and we essentially have a giant glaring hole at the eight or nine spots. So, hard to complain too much. It's not like Vasquez is single handedly sinking this team. And his defense is still great. You know, it's not like he's a liability there.
1: No, he, he's playing tremendous defense. It's just, I don't know how much longer you can uh, sustain that offensive production. I mean, the Red Sox probably can, you know, go with the season without having a productive offensive catcher, but, I mean, you'd obviously like to get some production out of this. I don't think Leon will ever be what he was in 2016. I feel like that was the greatest aberration of all time when he was actually an above-average bat, but, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a pretty good defender. Uh I think he's a nice guy. I don't know about that. I've never met him, but he seems nice. nice. Yeah, he does, right? Yeah, he brings off a nice vibe, but um, do you think that the Red Sox should be interested in one J.T. Realmato from the Miami Marlins, who's reportedly been on the block for quite a while?
0: I'm not so sure about that, just because I mean, who knows? Derek Jeter gave Stan away for nothing, so who knows what anyone's for sale for over there, but we don't exactly have the best farm system to be trading away. And I, I feel like as bad as Vasquez has been, he's going to get better. And I feel like you got to see what you have in Swyhart before you start making any trades for catchers.
1: Oh, yeah. I agree with that. I think, I like, the thing is I really don't know just how bad Swihart. Uh, will be a catcher but I feel like the fact that Cora has not even given him a chance especially with Vasquez and Leon's struggles to actually catch a game this year I feel like that's a little disconcerting Um, in terms of Real Mudo yeah that
0: does say a lot (laughs) that does say a lot
1: right Uh, in terms of Real Mudo uh, the Mets were reportedly interested in in him and they have a much worse farm system than us i mean red sox don't have a great farm system but it, it's it's better than the mets so if the mets are able to put a competitive offer in i would think the red sox would be able to i don't know again it's Derek jeter i don't know what he's going to do or what he's going to demand but ramudo is a very nice piece uh he's fa- actually is like faster than the average uh, regular player um as, out of the catcher position on top of off above average offense and defense so i think it would be a nice upgrade but i don't think they necessarily need it right now and i think swyhart is the guy to try out before you 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 make that move um mm-hmm. moving on we have a a player named mookie betts H- have you heard of him dave
0: once or twice, but I'm a pretty close follower of baseball. I don't think the common fan knows who he is quite yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he, he's been slipping under the radar a little bit. Uh, he's he's off to a pretty sensational start. Uh, as of today, he ranks second in F-War at 1.6 and, and leads the league in WRC Plus at 2.16. He's also the leader in OPS, which is a statistic that hopefully people are more uh, knowledgeable about because WRC Plus is a little sabermetric lingo, so hopefully maybe you can understand that one. Uh, he's he's first in like, or close to first in like every offensive category. Um, hit three home runs in a game. Took Shohei Otani deep first first uh, first bat of that game. Uh, so he's got a sensational start and basically there's been some rumblings that maybe he's the best player in the league, or is he close to being the best player in the league? Dave, where would you think that Mookie Betts, uh, Buck Showalter actually said he's the best right fielder he's ever seen. Where do you think uh, Mookie Betts ranks among baseball players?
0: Among baseball players, well, it's Mike Trout's world and we're all still living in it. To me, he's the best player in baseball, and I don't think anyone's really that close to him right now. But that being said, like, Mookie is in the tier directly below that. So it's Mike Trout, everybody else, but of that, everyone else, I'd say Mookie's right there with Altuve and Harper is the best in the game.
1: So do you think you can make an argument that Mike, uh, Mookie Betts is the second best player in baseball, position player in baseball?
0: I believe I could make that argument, yes.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like I see like I
0: wouldn't oh. I wouldn't disagree with if anyone said no it's Harper or no it's Altuve and honestly if I had to pick one I'd probably pick Altuve right now, but Mookie is absolutely making an argument that he's the second best.
1: Now, yeah, I agree with this. And uh, listen to this little nugget that I found on Twitter from this person I follow. I think it's Ike underscore AJ. Very knowledgeable man. Uh, definitely worth a follow. But he uh, tweeted this. Since 2015, there's only one player with a better baseball reference award than Mookie Betts. And can, can you name that player, Dave? I'm going to put you on the spot. Um,
0: Sandy Leone.
1: Yeah, How did you know?
0: <laughs> I I'm just that
1: good. Wow. Yeah, no, Sandy Leone is my, my yeah, <laughs> uh yeah i agree with you mike trout is is amazing i I don't think you can make the argument that mookie Betts is better than mike trout but um yeah, everyone i remember
0: out. yeah heading into the Angels series um one of the nesson people i forget who it was but they said uh they pulled 10 uh league execs around the league and said hey you're starting a franchise who do you pick mike trout or mookie Betts?" seven of the ten said trout three said mookie and i'm sorry but three of those executives were wrong
1: yeah, they probably might need to be fired too, honestly. There, there might need to be some, uh, serious talking with them. Uh, yeah, Mike Trout's, yeah. Mike Trout's pretty good. Uh, Mookie Betts' one Achilles heel, in my opinion, is, I don't know if you've gone into statistics about, uh, his pull rate, his opposite field rate, but basically, he's like the best pull hitter in the game, and when he, he really struggles, uh, offensively to the opposite field. Uh, he's not as complete. Yeah, um, on that regard I,
0: I noticed like whenever they show up his flow chart his uh, spray charts for uh his home runs pretty much all of them are left or left center he doesn't go the opposite way with power very often
1: now and that's why i'm like oh why don't more pitchers just pitch away from him you know follow that strategy but i feel like mookie Betts has found a way to like take the uh outside corner pitches and just somehow pull them over the monster so i feel like you, it, there's not a really Good way to pitch Mookie Betts. I think if you were, you have to go outside. But I think Betts is the uh, a little underrated here. But uh, when we're talking about offensive production, I think Trout definitely uh, trumps him in that. But I think Mookie Betts is arguably the best defensive outfielder in baseball. Uh, looking at DRS, UZR, defensive run saves, ultimate zone rating. He he ranks atop the top, um, all the players in, in those categories outside of Andarlton Simmons, who's a beast at his own right at shortstop. But, yeah, I think that's is a def- better defender than Trout. I think he's better on the base paths than Trout. But I just think... Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that point. Yeah, yeah. I just think Trout's better, and pretty significantly so, yeah. offensively.
0: Yeah, Trout's a really good fielder, but what he does with the bat is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, you cannot, you cannot beat that. Um, so we're segueing here again, because I love my transitions, but now we're going to be talking about what is and what is not sustainable for this 2018 rendition of the Boston Red Sox. Um, they're 17-3. They're very, very, uh, I mean, they're great and they're off to a good start. Uh, Dave, what do you see as sustainable with this current team?
0: So with this current team, um, I believe, I, I saw the tweet yesterday, so it might not be true anymore. But we were leading the league in average OPS, OBS. Um, I think combined team WAR was one of them too. There was a bunch. It was on um, Red Sox Notes. I think its handle is at Sox, at Red Sox Notes. Just that simple. It's one of the one of my favorite pages on uh, Twitter, and they listed just about every meaningful team stat we were in charge of. And frankly, that's not going to happen. We can't hold on to all of them, and we're probably not going to win 159 games, you know? So, I I just feel like a lot of this is just going crazy good. Everyone's off to a hot hot start at the same time, and at some point, this is going to have to stop.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, they're not going to go 159-3. That's just impossible. I'm I'm sorry to break some people's hearts here, but... Uh, What do you think about the lineup? Do you you think it's for real or do you think there will be some regression there?
0: I think there's going to be some regression just because you're not going to score 10 runs every single game. I think we're averaging, and this is before yesterday, we were averaging eight and a half runs a game and that's unsustainable but I don't think we're going to drop as much as people think we're going to drop just because we're doing all this without Pedroia and mostly without Bogarts in the lineup, we're getting some really good bats back. Yeah. And I mean, think about we we were averaging eight and a half games with Brock Holt as our main shortstop. That's gonna go that number's probably gonna go up with Bogart's back in the lineup. He was our best sitter prior to get, prior to getting injured.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely concur with everything you said there. Um, looking at the underlying statistics, the Red Sox have a bunch of uh, players like showing up really high on the average exit velocity leaders. Uh, they also are high up on the barrels per uh, plate appearance uh, leaderboard, which basically, as I alluded to earlier, is like when you hit the crap out of the ball, I think they had I think this was like two three days ago I saw it. I uh, don't remember who tweeted it sorry um but they i think they had th- three of the top fives in barrel per plate appearances at the time i think it was mookie betts xander bogarts and i want to say jd martinez but don't quote me yeah, on yeah i you think, think so? i saw
0: the same tweet like jd was number four i forget who number three was yeah probably trout
1: yeah pro- pro- uh, that, would, that would that would not surprise me if it was trout um but yeah i think the lineup is definitely for real because, I mean, those stats stabilize early and they really do show uh, more than, like, they're more telling than, like, you know, OPS leaders or, you know, war leaders even, that that those are statistics that matter at this stage of the game. And the Red Sox hitters are just killed. they're hitting the cover off the ball. Um, but I will say this, too. Andrew Benintendi is not really that hot yet. Uh, I don't know what you think of him going forward, but as you said, Pedroia is going to come back, and Bogarts is going to come back. He's been hurt. But what do you think, yeah. once Ben Attendi gets hot, Do you, or do you think he's actually going to get hot and be a really good contributor up there with like the Bogarts, the Betts, the Hanley Ramirez's of the Red Sox lineup?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if Benny's ever going to get to Mookie's level, just because we talked earlier, Mookie's a top five guy in the league, but I can't see why he can't be the second or third best player on this team. It's been a slow start for the guy. I'll admit that. And it kind of surprised me. But you just got to believe with all the talent he has, he's going to figure it out eventually. Because, you know, he was basically the spark that really sent the 2016 Red Sox to the next level. And in 2017, he was, I think he finished second in rookie of the year behind Judge, who just had a stupidly good year. Nobody could have reasonably expected Ben Antenny to match that. No. Uh, Yeah. So he'll get, he'll, uh, He'll get better, and I think Devers, who's off to a pretty strong start, I think he's going to improve, too. I think him and Benintendi are both going to be really, really good moving forward, probably better than they've been, and that'll sort of counteract the drop-off that I'm expecting a little bit from um, Moreland, I think, is going to drop a little bit. I think Hanley's going to come down to earth, and you know, Jackie's probably going to stay about what he is.
1: Yeah, Jackie's had a nice little... little uh run the past few games. I don't know if you've noticed. He Mm -hmm. he had a nice three-run shot. Uh, He's been getting hot.
0: Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, we talked about it last week. That's the Jackie Bradley experience. He's dead cold for two months, and then for two months... Then for the next two months, he's on fire hitting five hundred.
1: And, you know, I I wrote an article about leaving Jackie Bradley Jr. alone, um, not to, like, you know... That, that may have been pompous, but I, I feel pretty good about that article right now. He's, uh, he's representing yeah. me well. He's representing my meaningless opinions well. So shout-out to JBJ. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Work that plug. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you think about the rotation? Is it, is it sustainable? Uh, it's, been, it's been good, too, hasn't it?
0: Uh, yes, it has. Um, I think its ERA is something around two, maybe just below, that's not going to stay all year just because that would be historically good and this this rotation is going to be historically good, but it's not going to be that good, yeah, because you still got you still got price, you still got sale, you still got Porcello. I think all three of those guys will be in the Cy young young running by the end of the year, and then you have Eddie Rodriguez and drew Palmerance as your number four and number five guys, and those guys would be really good number two options on it, most any other team, so really we have five guys that you could feel very comfortable being the two best options and even if one of them gets hurt you got Velasquez and Johnson who are great depth options and Stephen Wright might be able to capture that 2016 magic although I wouldn't bet on it personally
1: well, well what's the update on Stephen Wright do, do you know anything I haven't I haven't heard anything about him him lately hope, hope he's so there. um
0: he had a he had a Pawtucket start. I want to say it was two days ago. He went three innings, gave up three runs, and he left with some back tightness. Ooh. And he still has to serve the suspension. So, so, frankly, I'm I'm not anything we get from him is bonus for
1: me. Yeah, yeah, and and I agree with like basically everything you said about the rotation. But you said something about along the long lines of Chris Sale, Price, and Purcello all being Cy Young candidates at the end of the year. I will agree with you yeah. on Sale, of course. I mean. I hope he finally wins one. I mean, the fact that Price and Purcell have one and he doesn't is kind of mean, but he he, he hopefully will get it this year. Um, I agree with you on Purcell, but looking at the underlying numbers of David Price, while well, I think he's been very good, I, I think he, he's due for some regression here, here, Dave, um, not to shock you here, but he has a 345 FIP to pair with his 225 ERA. 225 ERA is good, and 345 FIPs not bad, but he's got a 7.65K per nine, which is... Like not the David Price we're used to. We're used to David Price striking out ten, eleven per game. And he's got a four point oh five walks per nine, which is also not too great. Um he hasn't been doing well with like in terms of those numbers, and he has a two twenty-six Babip uh, against him this year, which his career number is two eighty eight Babip. Uh normal Babip against a pitcher is like two ninety-three. Uh I feel like that's not sustainable at all i think there's a lot of empirical data that backs up that that's not sustainable um i think price is going to be good but i think you're going to start seeing him pitch closer to his 345 fip than the 225 era he's running so that's a statistical nugget for you there i was just like bored and i was like oh maybe price isn't doing as well as i thought and the numbers say maybe he's not
0: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know all of those numbers, but I think that some of those are slightly skewed by just how bad that Yankees outing was when he couldn't even feel his throwing hand. Because the other three starts, he looked really good, and I haven't, you know, looked into the numbers. He was like, well, take out the one he was injured, how'd he do? But uh, I think, like, he was just so freaking good those first two, and I know it was against Tampa, but, you know, they're still a major league team, and you can't help who you face. All you can do is do your best against them, and he was... Really slinging at those first two games, and he had a pretty good, nice, he had a very nice bounce back game against the Angels, albeit not as good as those first two.
1: Yeah, well, Price exited in the first inning of that game, right against the Yankees. Is that correct? With this Yeah. so that wouldn't distort like the K per nine number, or the walk per nine number, or even the. Yeah, yeah, number.
0: that's. Uh, I was. I meant more like his ERA and his FIP is probably a little bit higher because of that. Yeah. I didn't know anything about the K per nine or walk per nine or the. I didn't know how low his B-A-V-I-P was. That's, like,
1: stupid low. Yeah. So, like, I think, uh, yeah, I think price is going to be very good for us, but... I'm 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 expecting more strikeouts as the year progresses from him because you know he's he's a strikeout guy and if you're striking guys out then balls are not being hit in play and that's always a good thing when you're trying not to let the other team score runs because you want more runs than the other team so yeah that's just a tidbit on David Price thought I would throw that in there um, so we're gonna end this podcast but before we do I want I want to get your opinion on the bullpen or do you have any other sustainable unsustainable aspects of the Red Sox.
0: Uh, no, that pretty much hit it all for me.
1: Okay, so give me your thoughts on the bullpen before we depart.
0: So, going into the season, I thought the bullpen was probably the biggest weakness on the roster, and I still stand by that, but the bullpen has really impressed me the last week, week and a half. I saw this on Twitter, too. I can't remember where I saw it, but in the last 27, I want to say, innings, the Red Sox bullpen has allowed just one run, and that is just insane, and I think that's fairly sustainable too. Because as the bull, as the bullpen gets healthier, as you throw Velasquez and Johnson into the bullpen now, they're gonna those arms are only getting better. And it seems like Core has figured out who he trusts and who he doesn't trust. Earlier in the season, you saw Smith in more high leverage situations. I can't remember the last time I saw him in not a blowout. And it seems like he Core realizes who he wants, when he wants them, and where they perform best. So I think this bullpen can remain as one of the top ones in the league, like moving forward, as long as everyone stays healthy. If Kimbrell gets hurt, then all bets are off.
1: <laughs> I hope Kimbrell doesn't get hurt. Uh, we kind of need him. He's pretty good. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think the bullpen is better than people think. They were pretty shaky in the early going. I'm still a little uh, dubious on Carson Smith, and Heath Hembree is always like, yeah. Matt Barnes is always like, yeah. but... Uh, I do really like the fact that Hector Velasquez and Brian Johnson are in this bullpen now. I think they really add a new dimension. I think both of them are very quality and allow their stuff to play up in that role. But um, yeah, I think this bullpen's pretty dang good. I. Think that we it is pretty sustainable uh, that number you you showed, but uh, Core really hasn't had to use his bolt like he really hasn't deployed like his bullpen in high leverage situations lately because the Red Sox have just been like killing everyone. So as the true, year, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, as the year progresses, I'm I'm going to be curious to see how he actually uses his bullpen um, in close, late in games because I mean the Core has been managing this team stupendously, but. I mean, he hasn't really gotten into a lot of close games, so we'll we'll see about that going forward. I mean, he had a lot of close games in the early going, um, but I would like to see how he uses that bullpen now. Um, Did you see Bobby Pointer actually was activated off the DL and then immediately sent down to Pawtucket?
0: Yep, so um, I actually just posted an article, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, about um, how everyone's getting healthy and what the Sox should do with, uh, with all these roster spots, how to clear up enough space on the major league roster. And in it, I talked about Pointer coming back and how, yes, he has options, but I didn't think he should go to Triple A. would rather just risk losing Hembry, Henry specifically, to uh, waivers and just try to DFA him. So it's good to know that I'm batting 0 for 1 right now. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised by that, honestly. I mean... It... Yeah, because Pointer was really, really good when he was healthy. Yeah, And it seems like Cora wasn't afraid to use him in those big moments. The... uh extra inning game against Tampa he went two innings and you know held the ship great
1: yeah and he seemed to relish in those moments too like he seemed it did not look like it phased him I know it's anecdotal but he looked confident on that mound um I mean I, I think this way you get to keep uh Hembree and then you still get to keep Pointer so you have more depth in the bullpen if someone yeah I, I
0: got the argument for keeping both it's just
1: is Hembry really
0: that much better than anything you can find lying around in free agency right now?
1: No, that's the thing. I, I, I don't. I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think he is. Yeah. And I think Pointer would be an improvement. But um, that was the move that they decided to make. Maybe if we were Dave Dombrowski in another life, or even in the future, we might make a different decision. But as of now, we can only write and you know watch this thing unfold. But um, yes, and as
0: amateur journalists, we're obviously better at building a team than Dave Dombrowski is. So yeah, you know when it blows up in his face, really, we, we'll take. I think you and I will both be willing to take on a co-GM jobs for yeah. the Red Sox, make things make things right.
1: Yeah, if anyone's important is listening, that is a uh, call-out from Dave and I that we are available and we are ready to talk contracts about being employed by the Boston Red Sox or even any other team that would be interested in our services. We're not very picky, except maybe the Yankees. Yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about that.
0: Yeah, see, I'd totally I'd go for the Yankees, but I'd totally go the the route, Just
1: go in there, trade Judge for pennies, and get out, you know? <laughs> the, or, or the Derek Jeter route, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Basically, yeah. Strap yeah. them down. Just you know, give the Red Sox judge for Leon and just call it a day.
1: Yeah. I. Oh wow. That's a, that's a good trade right there. Uh, I think, yeah, you, who I says think you, no, yeah, very stealthy of you. I feel like everyone would just be <laughs> like that's a fair trade, and they wouldn't question it, um, but it's that, all in the diversion. You just got to get the attention
0: somewhere else, and then, bam, what where'd judge go?
1: <laughs> they wouldn't know what hit him, uh, but yep. yeah, yeah so Blake is actually going to DH today. Um, the game's about to start at four o'clock. Just wanted to put that out there um, before we concluded this episode. but Dave, I've had an absolutely wonderful time. Uh, I cannot wait until we do this next week. Uh, do you have any departing thoughts for our li- wonderful listeners?
0: Um, yes, I do. So earlier I said 159 and 3 wasn't going to happen.
1: I lied. Let's do it. Let's do it. One fifty-nine and three is gonna happen. You heard it from Dave Latham. If it doesn't happen, you can reach him on Twitter at dlpatthoughts. Is that that was correct? Twitter handle. Yeah, tell ended, me I right? am
0: stupid and wrong. I relish it.
1: He relishes it. All right, guys, that's gonna conclude our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us, and as always, have a great one and go Boston Red Sox. We'll see you next week.
0: Go.